Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts. It's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove podcast. We're talking Major League Baseball playoffs with the one and only Graham Wallace. We're also going to talk NFL week ahead with the interesting uh, homecoming, or I guess not homecoming, but games this week. We're going to give you our picks for the week, and time permitting, we're going to talk some college football as well. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Welcome into a new edition of the Sports Stove Podcast presented by La Terrain Watches and Accessories. It's always a good idea to have a classic watch on hand, something that can look fantastic. Uh, with both a suit or great work gear, maybe while you're out hunting, different things like that. The Navigator Flyger Style Pilot Watch from La Terrain is the gold standard of functional classics, especially if you want to stand out from the crowd. You can visit la-terrain.com, use the code SPORTSSTOVE, and uh, you're going to get 10% off your purchase. What a deal. Uh, thanks to Law Terrain Watches and Accessories for their support here of the program. Joining me, as he usually does, is my dad, Dale Stover. Dad, how you doing tonight? Doing good, doing good. Excited about the broadcast. It's going to be a good one. Uh, we got our friend Graham Wallace uh, coming back and joining us here in just a couple minutes to talk Major League Baseball and what's going on in the Major League pl- Baseball playoffs. Uh, the Atlanta Braves up 3-1 on the series which we know doesn't mean a whole lot when you're talking about the Atlanta Braves. So um, we'll talk to Graham about that. We've got lots of football talk uh, to get to, as well as some college football uh, things as well uh, that is going on. We're going to talk about some coaching situation, uh, some quarterback situations. We're going to give you our picks, all those sorts of great things uh, that are going on here this week in the sports world. Of course, hockey started back up. Dad, have you watched any hockey so far this season? Yeah, hockey's – I haven't seen any yet because the games haven't been on here with the Predators. But um, Predators, of course, play tonight. They start out with a four-game homestand, and hopefully they'll even things up 
tonight. Uh, they played well, I think, really every game, but they're uh, one and two so far. So we'll see how it goes. They got the Rangers tonight. The Rangers tonight, and uh, I've not gotten a chance to watch the game yet because they black them out here in Kentucky when it's the Predators home games, which oh. I've never understood considering that I can't go to the game. I mean, I could, but I have to drive <laughs> three and a half, four hours, but whatever. Thanks a lot, NHL. Sure appreciate all your giving and helping. Speaking of NHL, it's not really speaking of NHL, but he's Canadian, so that counts, right? Uh, we're going to bring in our friend, the uh, professor of baseball, the man himself, Graham Wallace. Graham, how you doing tonight? Uh, doing, doing well, Vince. Uh, thank you very much. Always the the very uh, very kind introductions there. I've uh, been. I'm very happy. Hockey season's back. Uh, it's it's a great time of year here, late October. Now, did you grow up playing hockey? Um, you know, I was more of a street hockey uh, kid. Um, I don't know if we were too poor or whatever, but I played baseball and soccer. Uh, and and you know making trouble with the neighborhood kids but uh i i I didn't really play ice hockey uh per se um we had rod peterson on the show several months ago and you know again he just brought up the fact that canadians love hockey it's what they do it's the national pastime basically yeah and i'm not sure if you knew this or not i actually played ice hockey in college um the only time in my life i ever played ice hockey it was a club team and i was horrible but (laughs) nonetheless it was okay that's cool learn something new every day there you go. Yeah. Uh, we didn't bring you on to talk hockey, though. We brought you on to talk baseball because the world is at an interesting turning point in baseball. The Atlanta Braves lead the series 3-1 against the Dodgers. But we know from past uh, that that doesn't mean much uh, for the Atlanta Braves. So no. what are we thinking about the uh, series uh, as they play uh, tonight? And uh, what do you expect that's going to happen between the, the Braves and the Dodgers? Well, I think uh, a wise guy might say uh, the Dodgers got them right where they want them. Uh, down three to one. Uh, obviously, that was the case last year, and and uh, the Dodgers came roaring back. Uh, I feel like this Braves team has a different feel uh, this year, uh, guys. Uh, I just it seems like they're determined. Let's be honest; this series should already be over. They had it seemed like they had the game one in game three. Uh, Dodgers with the furious comeback there. Um, I, I think the Braves will pull it off, but I do think the Dodgers are going to prolong the series. I, I do think they're going to win the game tonight, and then. Um, Let's say Braves take it home in, in game six. Um, I've been a little bit surprised by, by what I've been able to see. Um, you know, you think about the role they've been able to get on with the bats, especially uh, Rosario lately, uh, 12 total bases in the game last night, a couple of home runs, a triple, and also a single as well. So uh, it, it's been an entertaining series. Um, and I got to say, I didn't see Atlanta getting this far, even when they made all those moves at the deadline. I think they did a good patchwork of their roster, but it's crazy to think that they don't even have their best player, Ronald Acuna Jr., um, in the lineup. And even Jorge Soler, who was so good for them down the stretch, uh, has been out of the series uh, with COVID-related. I believe he had a positive test. He had to be out for 10 days or so. So really quite an accomplishment. And I think a lot of Jays fans look at this and, and see their old GM, Alex Anthopoulos, have so much success there in Atlanta and, and just kind of shake their head at that. You know, it seems like last year, Atlanta was kind of leaning on young superstar talent. They were kind of trying to coast on the talent that they had. Whereas this year they seem to be focused in on just playing baseball. They're playing solid baseball. They're having guys that we know their names, but they're not superstars. And yet they're coming through in in a big way. And uh, they've got the most, I think the most talented team in baseball on the ropes right now. 
And even though the Dodgers, and they, I mean, I said they didn't play like it, but they won 106 regular season games. So um, that being said, Atlanta has them in a spot where, uh, you know, where they can, they can send them home tonight. What happens if the Dodgers win tonight? I know you said you thought Atlanta could still close them out in six, but I mean, the morale, the fan base, if they lose tonight, uh, Atlanta, if they lose tonight, the fan base will be sweating it out like crazy, won't they? I, I think so. It's going to feel like um, it, it's happening again, uh, you know, kind of a bad feeling, kind of creeping in again. But I guess game six and seven are going to go back uh, to Atlanta, if I'm not mm-hmm. uh, mistaken. Yeah. I think that home field advantage could play uh, a part, uh, certainly. Um, if I'm a Braves fan, I got to think we've been knocking on the door the last few years, but I still kind of feel like there's a sense of house money being played with here because, I, like I said, I didn't think they would get this far. I, I thought, but the way the bracket works, you had two really strong teams in the West, and then it was either going to be Atlanta or most likely Milwaukee. Uh, Atlanta got the better of them in that uh, divisional series, so I guess it's not that much of a shocker. Um, I think those feelings will creep in, but there does seem to be a sense of confidence and uh, self-assuredness with this group, uh, led by manager Brian Snitkert, that I think they, even if they do lose tonight, they'll still have the confidence and the the ability and the faith that they'll be able to get the job done. The problem is game six and seven, the pitchers for LA, the starting pitchers, they're a little bit more well known, uh, than, than old Joe Kelly tonight. So, uh, you're facing Scherzer and Bueller in six and seven versus, uh, finishing it off now. Uh, if I'm Atlanta, I'm doing everything, throwing everything at them that I can to finish it off and, uh, and start preparing for the World Series. Um, let's transition to the AL. The Astros currently lead the series three to two. They have a chance to close it out Friday night. Um, Boston has, has uh, fought valiantly all season, but I've said for months now that Houston was the best AL team, and I still stand by that. Um, your thoughts on the AL series and where that's going to end up? I got I got to be honest with you, Vince. I haven't watched a single second of this series. Uh, when it was determined that these two teams were playing um, – I just decided to kind of sit it out. I wasn't real um, pleased with this matchup. Um, it, it's partly due to the recent scandals. And just it's one thing if it's one team you, you, you can't really stand. But when it's two, I, I find it really difficult. Obviously, I've been following and reading about it and things like that. But I've yeah. decided not to tune in. With the busy sports schedule right now, it's, it's really not taking its toll. I'll check back into the World Series. But I agree with you. I think Houston has been. Uh, well, they didn't have the best record in the American League, certainly a dangerous lineup and a really surprising and effective pitching staff as well. Obviously, uh, they've been there before, um, and, and I kind of do expect them to finish the job uh, Friday night. Now, uh, Dusty Baker, he's there with Houston. He wasn't there for the cheating. Um, no. so is there, is there any part as a baseball purist that says, hey, Dusty Baker, I want to see him succeed, uh, or is there no role in that? Oh, certainly. I, I actually remember uh, him going back to his days with the Giants. Um, I don't know if you guys remember that series. They had a really great series with the Angels in the early 2000s. And uh, I think it, um, there was a, a small child that almost got run over by J.T. Snow in a, a close play at home. I think it was I don't know if it was his grandson or something. It was a small child, but that was a great series. I was rooting for the Giants, Barry Bonds, uh, Jeff Kent and things like that. And um, I, I kind of felt a little bit heartbroken when the angels ended up pulling it out. Not that they were my team, but you always kind of like to have a horse in the race. Mm-hmm. And then he's gone from Washington to Cincinnati, a few other stops in there. And he's always gotten to uh, the ball, but never been able to take uh, uh, 
the princess home, if you will, or whatever. He's never <laughs> been able to to finish it off quite. So uh, certainly, uh, you know, he's getting up in age. So if if he can finish that off, I think that'd be great. A lot of baseball fans uh, would love to see that. Dad, what questions do you have for Graham? Um, well, like I said, it, you know, it, it's been an interesting baseball season. And, um, you know, uh, it should be, wouldn't you think it's going to be, no matter who's in it, it's going to be a good World Series has potential to be? Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of counting on it. Um, I, I think there's something about that end, uh, year's ending in one. It always seems to be a, a real classic. So I think it'll be at least a six game, possibly a seven game series. Uh, I think a lot of people, if you told them Atlanta would be in the World Series, uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, they'd be like, oh, well, it's probably Ronald Acuna Jr., Mike Sirotka. But both those guys are out of, out of commission. They've both been out of it. So, like I said, great job of supplementing that roster. And um, there's always some special things that happen in the World Series, whether it's um, unlikely heroes or maybe a pitcher getting a hit, uh, different things like that. So I- I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, I-, I agree, Dale. I think it should be a great series, no matter which teams uh, are playing. Now, you wrote an article for BellyUpSports.com um, before this series started about the Houston and Boston uh, series and the fact that uh, – I forget what it was titled. Nobody Wants This or what was I, – uh, I believe it was the ALCS No One Wanted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you caught some flack from that uh, from Boston fans specifically. Sure. <laughs> um, I think it's interesting, though, because you got fan bases. You, you think of Boston fans. Me and Dad talked last week about – um, fan bases that are, we just don't like that are annoying that, yeah. um, you know, whatever. Um, one of the things I brought up was these Boston fans, most of them, they weren't alive for the negative years of Boston Red Sox. Like in their lifetime, Boston's been good, been contenders, been world series champs, had some phenomenal players on the team and they weren't around for the curse. They weren't around for the craziness that goes on, but they're very defensive, aren't they? Yeah, they sure are. I, I kind of feel like somewhere within the past uh, 15 years or so, the Red Sox nation has kind of lost their identity. You know, they, they went from this kind of lovable loser that went, you know, almost, what is it, over 70 years without winning a World Series, almost well, 1918, well, a long time without winning a World <laughs> Series. And then now they've won it four times in, in the past 15 years. And there's this sense of entitlement uh, that we belong there every year. Uh, I think that goes with it. And uh, they really didn't like um, me pointing out that the 2018 team was also tied to cheating. And Alex mm-hmm. Cora was on the 17 and 18 teams that won the World Series uh, because they used those st- sign-stealing technologies. So um, I, I think there is a sense of that. I mean, my dad is, is actually a Red Sox fan. He grew up before the Blue Jays existed. So I, I, I remember hearing about Bill Buckner and some of these uh, Bucky Dent and all these different things. Uh, there's actually an ESPN uh, documentary on the 1986 uh, Miracle Met, or I guess it's the 1986 Mets, and they played the the Red Sox in that series. I got to catch some of that. So it's a really, if you have a chance to see it, it's a 30 for 30. It's a four part series. It's a it's a great uh, it's great television. But uh, yeah, I do definitely think there's a a, a different Red Sox nation. These these new fans. Um, so I, I definitely caught some flack, but that's okay. If if I made them feel things, I feel like I'm doing my job. Right. Yeah. That means they read it. Uh, well, at least the title and, uh, and, and they probably read the article to see, see what was going on there. But so, so does that mean I assume then that no matter who makes it to the World Series, you're cheering for the National League this year? 
Uh, you would be correct. I, I am uh, really usually an American League guy. I like the designated hitter. Um, I don't really like the pitchers hitting. I, I like both leagues. I just I, I, I feel like the American League is a little bit more. I think it's a bit better. Uh, if you think about the All-Star game, the American League always seems to win. You could say it's an exhibition, but those teams are trying to win it. Um, the World Series, it's a bit of a split. There's great teams in both leagues. But this year, I'm going to be staunchly in the corner of the National League representative, be it the Braves or the Dodgers. Um, it, it's funny in that series because I kind of think the Dodgers are at risk of becoming the Braves of, of modern baseball. If you think about the 90s uh, Braves, yeah. they had great teams with, with Smoltz and Glavin <laughs> and, and some of the great hitters on those teams too. But they only won one World Series, kind of a lot of uh, opportunity squandered. This Dodgers team, they've won the National League West every year except this year, uh, going back to, I believe, 2013, only one uh, World Series to show for it. The other side of that coin is they lost it in 17 and 18, two teams that used unfair advantages, a lot of people would say. So it, there's a lot of different kind of layers to the series that I, I find to be very interesting. That is interesting for sure. Two questions for you that have nothing to do with this year. Uh, how long will it take for the National League to adopt or adapt to the designated hitter? Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, team Ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're team ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Well, a baseball, uh, much like the wheels of justice, uh, they, those wheels of baseball rules, uh, churn very slowly. Uh, yeah. so I, I wouldn't expect to change anytime too soon, maybe in about 10 years or so, but wow. they seem to sure. throw things out there and then it gets rejected by the players and then they try a few years later and it gets a little bit of a closer vote. So I don't think that's going to happen anytime too soon. I, I would love to see it. Um, just because, you know, I find pitchers hitting is, is just, it's not fun to watch. Um, it, and it affects the strategy of the game, which you can argue that makes it good because then you got strategy involved with the substitutions and stuff. But I agree. I, and again, as a Brewers fan, I think back, man, if we could have, we had guys who couldn't field worth a lick, but they could hit. <laughs> we could have had guys like that in, yeah. uh, like Vogel back, uh, during the season and things like that. Opportunity would have been there, uh, nonetheless. Then the other question is the automated strike zone. So I had a, uh, ball player on, uh, man, one of the first episodes I ever did, I wasn't even with belly up sports yet. And I uh, had a player, he played for the giants. He was in the minor league system for a while as well. And uh, I asked him about the automated strike zone and his deal was my career would have been longer with an automated strike zone because the umpires wouldn't have stolen those at bats from me. Um, right. and it had been consistent. I would have known what I was getting into all that kind of stuff. I thought that mm -hmm. was intriguing. Um, and then I asked, uh, man, I forget who else I had somebody else in that I asked about the automated strike zone as well. But, um, 
are we going to get to that, or is there always going to be the human umpire calling balls and strikes? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, Vince. They, they've been experimenting this in the lower levels of minor league baseball, I think in low A ball, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. Um, it, it's funny. Um, I actually saw an Instagram post that showed the – there's a website that shows that the missed calls and the percentage of missed calls and, and yeah. the ALCS it's, it, it, it's been at about 12% that they're missing, which it may not seem like a lot, but uh, that is an awful lot. If, if it's like one pitch, every one or two at bats that they're blowing, um, especially when, if it's a full count or if it's, you know, a two, one pitch or a one, one pitch, it, it really mm-hmm. swings the tide of the at bat. So uh, to answer your question, I do think the automated, uh, strike zone or at least a hybrid version of that is coming but i would say it's even uh further away than uh the, the other role we were talking about uh earlier so uh as far as the dh is concerned so yeah um, maybe closer to 20 years or so uh or they might make it so you can only challenge maybe t- two or three calls per game um yeah. because let's be honest we can't be slowing the game down uh every couple of minutes to challenge a strike call that's gonna just gonna make people not want to watch the game at all so yeah um, tim dillard was the guy i talked to i forgot uh, i had him on as well and and he was actually he joked about it a little bit but ultimately came back to no it should be a human umpire um mm-hmm. on twitter there's a there's a account called umpire scorecards at ump scorecards that's it Um, yes it's a great follow uh they put out the scorecards and it really is a it's an awesome graphic to see um after the games as well all right tell us uh tell everybody where they can find you at where they can find your articles and things like that you bet uh so you can follow me uh on at bus wallace on instagram and twitter uh just search bus wallace i'll be there uh you can also find my articles on belly up sports a lot of baseball stuff some off-season stuff coming out uh also uh jaysjournal.com i got some kind of classic blue jays articles coming out before the uh, off season kind of gets kicked off so pretty excited about uh some stuff i got coming out there and you're doing uh nfl power rankings on man oh, hour yes uh yeah I, I i should mention that as well thank you vince i've been doing uh nfl uh power rankings on man hour radio every wednesday night uh about 8 30 uh, with uh, Michael Buckheiser and uh, the rest of the crew there. So that's been uh, something really fun. I've been able to ju- jump into a little bit of controversy, a few laughs. Uh, it- it's really fun. So uh, please join in uh, join in for that as well. All right. Who's your top five this week? Power, uh, let's power see. Rate. Off the top of my head, uh, I believe I had Packers. Um, oh, I, oh I, hold on. I got it right here. <laughs> uh, I got, uh, Ravens were in there. Bucks. Uh, the Bills dropped down. Uh, Cardinals won, of course. Uh, I'm blanking on. I think it was Rams, Packers, Ravens, Bucks, and Cardinals. All right. Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe there's some disagreement there, but that's okay. Yeah, you're wrong, but that's okay. You're allowed to be. <laughs> that's okay. Thank you. I'm just kidding. We love having Graham on. We sure appreciate you coming on talking. Uh, who's the winner of the World Series? I forgot to ask you that. Uh, let's go Braves. Braves. All right. Braves over Astros. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, kind of. I uh, didn't. That's just off the top of my head, but yeah. yeah. Hey, you've been doing a great job with the uh, local hour too. I've been I've been listening to some of that, so uh, it's kind of cool for me to check out some different things. I can't say I'm a follower of those teams necessarily, but I have been listening. So uh, a nice Thank one. You. It's good for you. You get to go to some of the games and, and write oh, some man. articles too. So. It's awesome. It's awesome. I'm just getting into the writing stuff. So the writing articles are, I'm learning on that. It wasn't a huge grammar person growing up. So that's, that's a learning experience, but, uh, yeah. 
Eastern Kentucky University has been phenomenal and uh, been super welcoming, and, and I sure appreciate that. Thank you for those kind words. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Great to be on with you guys. All right, Graham, you have a good one. We'll talk to you again sometime soon. Okay, you bet. See you All guys. Right. See you. All right, so there's our baseball talk with uh, with Graham. The only reason I bring him on is so he can compliment me on my on my program. So I always appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> we'll send him the check here in just a little bit. Um, all right, so Dad, uh, he says Braves over Astros. Uh, your thoughts? Uh, who's going to end up finishing out the NL and the AL, and who do you got in the World Series? Well, I definitely. Um, I think I would hope it's the Braves and the Astros. Uh, and I think that's probably how it's going to be. The Braves is hot. I know the Dodgers, I think I saw today, don't they have a pretty major injury? Uh, Turner be out. And, yeah, Turner's um, out. Yeah, and, and we'll just, you know, we'll see. Uh, now, Braves are at home tonight, correct? Uh, tonight is at L.A., I think, right? And then okay. it goes back back to Atlanta for the last and, two. And then back to Atlanta. So, yeah, it'll, you know, of course, it'd be crazy there in Atlanta. So, I think Atlanta's in good in good shape. Hopefully, we'll see. You never know, though. The Dodgers are awfully good. Um, the Astros should win over there. Um, but, again, you know, Red Sox have hung around longer than anybody thought. So, but yeah. I think the Braves and the Astros would be a good – uh, good World Series. You know, again, we've talked a little bit about it. I'm not sure how the national fan base will take the Astros being in the World Series again, um, but um, I think it should be good. Well, like I said, they're either going to love them or hate them. There's not going to be someone sitting on the fence. So it could be good as far as the numbers go for, for people watching. They want to see Houston lose. And if the series <laughs> either stays tight or uh, Atlanta pulls out an early lead or the Dodgers, whoever, um, I think it'll continue to bring people in into the World Series to watch, hoping that Houston gets beat in most cases. Um, before we get to the NFL, Dad, I want to actually talk college football first. I want one subject I want to hit on college football. We might come back and hit another one later, but I want to make sure we get this one in. And that's the Ed Orgeron situation in LSU. They announced uh, this past week that he is out at the end of the season. He's going to finish out the season at LSU. But after that, he is gone. This is a year and a half after not only did he win the national championship, his team had possibly the best college football season any team has ever had. And uh, and just like that, Coach O is, is on the way out in LSU. And, uh, I mean, there had been controversy. He said some things during the um, – uh, the demonstrations last year, I and mean, there are different issues there with him. But nonetheless, I'm surprised by this, and it seemed like Ed Orgeron just fit LSU, and now they're saying, we want you gone. Uh, what do you think about the Ed Orgeron situation? Well, um, again, you know, in college football, it's like any sports, you know, you've got to be successful um Ed, or, Ed Orgeron it was interesting he, everything about him is his personality I mean he's such a big personality and in some ways that's been very positive and in some ways it's been very negative and when it's negative in this day and time that's kind of a tough situation uh, again he was a great promoter for LSU in some ways a great promoter for college football but, um, you know, what was he a great coach? Um, don't know. You know, he, he could definitely recruit. Um, but LSU is a school who I think can attract, um, you know, 
a very good coach. They've had others in the past, of course, with Saban there and others um, from there. So, uh, I, you know, again, they struggled a lot last year and were struggling this year. I, I hadn't thought maybe that would be the, what would happen, but I can't say that's a big surprise either. I think finishing out the year may be a good thing, but surely they'll have the next coach lined up and recruiting will be a big issue um, with them there. If you're a coach and they're going to go after top line guys, they've already said they're going after Dabo. Dabo said he's not coming. They're going after um, uh, uh, Jimbo Fisher. He said, I'm staying at A&M. That you've got to think they're going after Joe Brady uh, from the Panthers. That was their offensive coordinator with Joe Burrow. Uh, well, the passing game coordinator with Joe Burrow. They're going after the big fish. But Ed Orgeron's getting fired a year and a half after he won a national championship. I mean, there's no patience there. And, and again, there are some other factors, and I get that. But if I'm a head coach and I'm looking at going to a program, um, even a program like LSU, I'm thinking, wait a second, so I can win a national championship and then a year and a half later, before I go out and beat Florida when I wasn't supposed to, I've been told I'm done. And uh, and even beating Florida doesn't change that. So, I mean, doesn't that give you a little bit of hesitancy? Or are you thinking that the coaches have such an ego, they say it doesn't matter what happened to Coach O. When I go there, everything will be better. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't think it'll matter a whole lot because again, you know, he, he was a unique personality and I think there were other things involved in this and the fact that he won the national championship and now two years later, he's not doing as well. Um, again, LSU always needs to be competitive and of course they're, you know, in the toughest conference in college football and that makes it tough there. But I think the challenge for any coach, um, you know, LSU is by far a great job. I'd say be one of the top 10 maybe jobs uh, in college football. And um, so I, I think they'll attract uh, someone well, and someone good. And, you know, it's funny when I heard you say, they said, I'm not going, I'm going to stay there. Usually that's that's a, a dead ringer that, that something's going to happen. So you never know. Usually it is, but Dabo's in the ACC where he has no competition. He's paid incredibly well, and he is going to have a statue there. There's no reason for him to leave a, the a Clemson. Jimbo Fisher, I don't think the LSU job is that much better than A&M. I think there's opportunities at A&M there. I don't, I don't see him moving to LSU from there. Joe Brady makes the most sense in the world uh, to come, but unless he knows he's going to get a head coaching offer in the NFL next year, which he very well might then he might just stick around where he's at. But having said all of that, LSU is the university who has their basketball coach on tape doing something illegal, and they haven't fired him and refused to fire him. Will Wade at, at LSU does not belong in the NCAA. He is a proven cheater, and yet no consequences whatsoever uh, for him and they're going to get rid of coach O because of some things that he said or whatever. I don't know. I think it's stupid. I think the university, they obviously have someone they want, but they've, they also have people they know they're not going to get, but they're going to go out and get in or go out and try anyways, at least say we tried, but I think they have their name, their, their, uh, eyes on probably two people. I think Joe Brady's one. I'm not sure who the second one is, but I think there's two realistic people that they think they could get. And uh, But before they officially go there, they're going to try the big fish 
which I don't understand why you'd go for Jimbo Fisher, honestly. I don't think he's a bad coach, but, I mean, is he better than Coach O? Maybe, but not by that much. Now, Dabo, I understand, and, uh, you know, there's some other guys out there as well, but we'll see where all that goes. All right, let's get to the NFL. We might come back. I've got one more college football thing I'd like to talk about, but it's not as important as the things going on in the NFL this week. So let's move on to our NFL uh, coverage. We got some interesting reunions this week, Dad. Uh, Matt Stafford is playing the Lions. uh, J.J. Watt, DeAndre Hopkins are playing the Texans. And uh, and then we also got some trade rumors. We got some new new additions and things like that as well. So let's start with uh, Matt Stafford and the Rams facing off against the Detroit Lions. It is a absolutely massive line, uh, 16-point line here for the Rams over the Detroit Lions. The game is in L.A. as well. Um, is this a game where Matt Stafford comes out to prove something, or is this a game where the Lions come out and prove something? Um, I would think the Lions would be the ones who are trying to prove something. Uh, Stafford, I think, is obvious. He bettered himself by getting out of that situation there. So I think, you know, uh, if anybody's going to try to prove anything, it would be the Lions um, from there. But again, you know, the fan base, I mean, I, I don't think anybody hated you know, Stafford from there. Um, and, you know, I even saw where McVeigh came out this week and tried to soften the thing about, you know, uh, them getting, you know, moving moving on from the quarterback there. So I, I don't believe this would be a game where there's a lot of feelings on the edge. Um, the Rams are doing well right now, and I think, you know, they should continue to roll on. If there's one player who feels like he has to prove something, it's Jared Goff. Uh, it's not Matt Stafford. Everybody in Detroit loves Matt Stafford. He left in a good way. Um, but Jared Goff, on the other hand, a guy who went to the Super Bowl and was never truly loved by his team, uh, although he got paid very well. Uh, he has an opportunity if he starts, and I'm sure he is, but there was some talk about that this week too. But uh, Goff's got to prove something. Then you go to Houston and Arizona. J.J. Watt, after giving a lot to Houston in his time there, of course, Hopkins uh, was traded last year, but uh, Watt now in Arizona as well. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. But J.J. Watt said it. This isn't the same Texans team that I played for. And uh, there's a lot of things different about Houston. So that might take some of the emotional edge off uh, there as well. And again, this game is in Arizona, not in Houston. Um, but I mean, the Cardinals have been playing so well. They're six and zero on the season. Houston has since their first game win over Jacksonville not looked good uh, since then. But uh, is there any kind of emotion here for these players, Houston versus Arizona? Um, again, I, I don't think so because Arizona has just played so well, and you know, Houston is such a different team. Um, in some ways they've played a little better than expected, but I mean, they're struggling and the organization, you know, it's not the same organization. So, um, and again, JJ Watt was loved there. So I I don't think this will be a game either where there's a lot of, um, 
uh, edge. Now, if, you know, when they, if they played at the other place, in both cases, that might be different a little right. bit. But you don't have the the home crowd being the ones who would have the edge. Yeah, you don't have the the emotional video tribute and crying and all that kind of stuff going on there. Um, we're going to talk about both of these teams some more. But Arizona, they bring in Zach Ertz here this week. They trade for the tight end, and uh, and you know they've already got a pretty loaded receiving core. Of course, their tight end is injured and out for the year, and that's why they go out and get Zach Ertz. I mean, they're just loading up, aren't they? I mean, that, what an incredible offense they have. Oh, it, it really is. They've got all the tools um, there, no doubt about it. And um, Urch, you know, I think that was a good pickup. Um, you know, he was not fitting in there in Philadelphia like he did. Will he be in Arizona what he was in Philadelphia a couple of years ago? I don't know. But like you said, they don't really need that. They have a lot of weapons. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he does and how they handle it at the end of the year. But um, definitely, you know, he, he he's a good pickup, made a lot of sense at this time of the year. And a lot of the focus has been on the receiving core there with um, Hopkins, Christian Kirk's played well, A.J. Green, Rondell Moore, the rookie. But you can't overlook the running game also. Chase Edmonds has played really well for Arizona so far this year. James Connors had a little bit uh, of production as well. And then, of course, Kyler Murray. Now, if Kyler Murray gets hurt, that changes everything for Arizona. But the same time they've got the talent now where if, if Kyler Murray gets hurt you know if you talk about a backup having to come in and throw to somebody well if you're throwing to guys like DeAndre Hopkins and AJ Green and Zach Ertz that's going to help you play better too so they've got a really really good team and a legit chance this year although I still don't trust the coach when it comes to key situations um but how legit do you think Arizona is? Do you think they are legitimately Super Bowl contenders, or do you think they're a team that's going to have a great regular season and just flounder off, flounder off in the the postseason? Well, I think they'll definitely have a great regular season. Um, I think they could be a Super Bowl contender. I think they'll end up being one of the top four, five teams, you know, uh, in the NFC. The NFC has got some really tough teams. This year, they're really strong. And I think, you know, if those teams all end up being in the playoffs, depending how they're matched up, it, you know, almost anybody could come out of it. You know, you got the Rams, you got the Buccaneers, you've got the Packers. Um, as you said, the Cowboys are playing well. I mean, there's going to be, um, but Arizona is proven they can go in and play with anybody. Um, and I think Kyler Murray seems to really be a leader. And he's the kind of player that, um, you know, can, can win a game when you need him to, uh, cause he, cause he can run, he can throw and he's got the weapons. So, um, I think they should, they ought to be right in the hunt in the NFC. It should really be exciting when it gets to playoff time. Arizona six and oh, four of those games have been on the road so far. Um, so that means they got a majority of their games still at home this season. So a lot happening there. Before we get into the games this week, one other storyline that hit the news this week was the possible trade of Deshaun Watson. The rumor was Deshaun Watson would go to Miami and Tua Tungvaloa would go to Washington, uh, who is in need of a long-term quarterback. Let's start with uh, Tua, because I spoke my mind before the season and I stand by it. I don't think Tua has a future as a star in this league. Now, that doesn't mean that he won't play. doesn't mean that he won't start for somebody. 
But just as a star, he's not going to be it. Um, if Tua goes somewhere else, does that give him a better chance, specifically Washington? Um, do you still have faith in Tua and what he can be? Well, I think Washington would be a good spot for him because, again, that's a good team, and we've said, you know, what they need is a quarterback. I don't know that he will be a star in this league. I do think he can be a starting quarterback. Um, and But, you know, Miami is just struggling in a lot of ways right now. I, I don't think you blame it all on Tua for sure. Um, well, he hasn't been playing. Brissett's been playing because he's been hurt, yeah. so – well, yeah. I, I mean, you know, again, that that's not a great situation there. Um, might be better for him to be in another situation. I, I, I don't know. That'll be interesting to see. Deshaun Watson, uh, he's already made it very clear he's not going to play for Houston anymore. I've said Miami makes the most sense for him to go to as far as a team with talent, a team that he could go and impact right away. He still has the legal issues over his head and things like that, but – it kind of starting to feel like this is going to blow over eventually. And Watson, as far as going to prison, is probably not going to happen. Um, but nonetheless, we still don't, there's uncertainty around Deshaun Watson. If you're the Miami Dolphins, and we don't know, you know, what they would have to give up completely, but if you're the Miami Dolphins, do you look at Deshaun Watson and say, okay, he's worth the risk for us to bring him in? Um, you know, th- th- that's an interesting question. Is he worth the risk? Cause you just don't know about his future to bring him in and okay, he's going to be our quarterback for the next five or 10 years. And we're going to build everything around him. You don't know that you can do that. Um, now again, is it worth taking a chance? Yeah. If you don't have to pay too much for it, um, I think it would be. And, and, you know, I, like you said, he's a great quarterback and he can probably do real well this year. Again, going to Miami now, is he going to pull them out of where they're at? I don't know about that from there. The other team I think I saw mentioned a lot was the Eagles. Um, and that's, you know, that's come back up again. And that's, um, you know, that's interesting there because I think Jalen Hurt at some point will be the quarterback, whether he's the guy, you know, this year or whether it's a little too early. And they don't have a lot of weapons uh, in some ways around either. So um, both both those two teams would be teams. But again, for him, it'd probably be good to get it to get to a team, play this year, and then, um, you know, see what his options would be after that. I think he's worth the risk. I would give up. Um, a first rounder next year, I would give up conditional draft picks that could allow him uh, to become a first round pick, more first round picks. But I would put that that um, caveat on the trade. Here's the deal. I know you want three first round picks. Well, I'll give you one and I'll give you a fourth round that can turn into a one if he plays all the games, uh, if, if, even if he's just eligible for all the games. Um, you know, take injury out of it, even if he's just eligible for all the games, whereas he's not suspended, he's not in prison, those kinds of things uh, there as well. And Ryan uh, puts on here and asks the question, what would the Texans get? A boatload of picks, a current roster player from either Washington or Miami. I would say that they would have to get players back that they can use now. There's some young talent that both teams would probably be willing to give up. Washington wouldn't give up as much as Miami, of course. Um, and a boatload of picks, I don't know. That's what they want is a boatload of picks. But 
you know, you're talking about a guy that's that's in legal trouble and a guy that's refusing to play for you. At some point, you got to get them all out of your out of your team's organization and uh, somewhere where it's going to make sense for him to be playing. Uh, and, and I think that they're going to get away with maybe just one first round pick with some conditionals, maybe two first round picks, but I think it'll be one and then some other picks uh, put into it as well. And, uh, and eventually though, we're going to just see Deshaun Watson. And again, I've said it from the get go. He's going to Miami. The question is, is what are they going to have to give up, uh, to, to get him there? I know Philadelphia has been mentioned. I just think Miami's the team that's going to make it happen and get it done. And I am, uh, not saying that I'm okay with what Deshaun Watson did, but I am a guy that says, Hey, I would take a risk on Deshaun Watson when it comes to a football perspective getting him on my team and the opportunity to improve my team. I think if Deshaun Watson plays for Miami, they are drastically better and immediately a threat in the East, even though Buffalo is as good as Buffalo is currently. All right, Dad, let's go through the games, uh, and uh, we'll give our, our picks here in just a moment. But uh, let's start with just going through some games. Let's start off with Green Bay and Washington. Green Bay at home. Um, they're five and one. They only lost the one game against New Orleans. They add pieces last week. Jalen Smith from Dallas. They picked up, or maybe that was two weeks ago now. Whitney Marcellus now, uh, the Texans rusher. He is now, uh, in Green Bay, signed and practiced and everything today. And that's where they were having some injury issues as well. And, uh, and so let's talk Green Bay, Washington. This game scares me. Um, we're not doing our picks yet, but Green Bay is a seven and a half point favorite. And that number just scares me, even though I think Green Bay is good enough to win by more than a touchdown. Um, Washington, they've not played up to what they they uh, were anticipated to be this year. Some of that's with the quarterback injury, but mainly it's the defense, right? The defense hasn't been good for Washington, uh, at least not great for sure. Um, so how are your feelings as an owner of the Green Bay Packers going into this weekend against Washington? Well, I, again, I think Green Bay, um, you know, I think can win this game, and they should. It's at home. Um, they're watching. You're right. This game scares me a little bit. Um, you know, their, their defense, again, they, they have a couple guys that have a lot of sacks. I've read a lot of, uh, the stuff this week and heard a lot about their defense. Of course, the Packers have played several really good defenses in the last few weeks and their offensive line continues to get better, a little bit healthier, but definitely they are playing better. Um, so I, if they can handle, if the offensive line can keep Rodgers relatively safe, as safe as they did last week, then, um, again, I think the offense is clicking. It doesn't have all the weapons back. It should have here shortly. Um, but they're really playing well. You know, people want to say, well, um, you know, just, just Devonte Adams and it's just Aaron Jones, but you've got to stop those two guys and people haven't really been able to do that yet. Um, for, for whatever reason. And so I think the Packers will play well. They should. It's at home. Um, I'd be a little worried maybe of them looking ahead to next week, which is going to be a big game. But I think uh, Coach LaFleur does a good job of keeping them focused. They have some leaders there um, with Mercedes Lewis and, of course, Aaron Rodgers that keeps people focused. So hopefully that will go well. Uh, the defense has been playing well. So if it can continue – and, boy, they're really banged up. Yeah. It's, 
well. They've had some guys, like I said, if, if Merciless can come in and really play, um, you know, they had a, a they changed cornerbacks real quick last week. And uh, the guy who they just picked up that came in played pretty well uh, from there. So, um, you know, it, the injury bug has really hit them. But um, I think they'll do well. You're right. The line scares me uh, a little bit on that. They're wearing the throwback jerseys, so they got to win, right? I mean, just that simple. They, uh, <laughs> uh, Chiefs and Titans in, in Tennessee. Chiefs three and three, Titans four and two. Um, the Chiefs are the favorite. Uh, you know, I, I'm not big on the Titans. I haven't been big on their talent level. Um, Kansas City has underperformed drastically, but they've got to make a run in their division here pretty soon. Um, the Chiefs are the better team, but the Titans coming off a huge win this past week. Yes, they really are. Um, and again, you know, will, will that help them? Or again, will that, you know, give them a little bit of false security? You know, I know when I was in Tennessee, like you was, you know, as soon as the Titans had a little bit of success, they were going to the Super Bowl. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. Titans have been an interesting team because I kind of agree with you. They're not really going to be a factor. But yet, boy, they've won some big games. And um, so they can play well. I think what you said is right. Kansas City's got to get on the, you know, they've got to make a move here. And um, they should be able to handle the Titans, even though it's in Tennessee. Well, you said it about the Packers. Everybody says it's just Devonta Adams. It's just Aaron Jones. But nobody seems to stop them. On Tennessee, it's just Derrick Henry. But nobody can stop him and he's been able to run over people my goodness put 10 guys in the box and then stop Derrick Henry um do something figure it out I don't know uh but that should be an interesting game needless to say Baltimore and Cincinnati it's at Baltimore uh the Ravens are playing great there's a lot of talk about them and how good they are and you know that I've been big on the Bengals this year um and and I was high on them coming into the season continue to be high on them now um, I mean, this might be the best game of the week, Cincinnati versus Baltimore. Uh, it could be, but like you said, Baltimore's playing really well. I think Cincinnati's very improved. I think Cincinnati's going to have a good year, but I think they could really be outmatched in this one. Um, I, again, I, I don't know if they have all the pieces in place, um, to play with a team like Baltimore and Baltimore's really been on a roll. So, um, you know, we'll see. It may be a good competitive game and Cincinnati may pull it out, but I think they may get outmatched on this. Dad, I'm disappointed. I, I have given you all the reasons why Cincinnati is real and, uh, you still don't believe in the Bengals and, uh, that hurts, but that's okay. You're allowed to have your wrong opinions if you'd like them. If that's not the best game this week, what is the best game this week? Um, well, that's a good question. <laughs> I think the Indianapolis San Francisco game could be a really good game, um, from there. And, um, and again, you know, that may the Cincinnati game may be the best game. I, I, I don't know from there. Yeah. Uh, Bucks, Bucks and Bears are a double digit game. Cardinals, Texans, double digits. Rams, Lions, double digits. Uh, let's see here. Patriots Jets are a touchdown. Packers Washington over a touchdown. Um, Saints Seattle backup quarterback. Uh, Eagles Raiders. Eh, okay, whatever. It's Cincinnati and Baltimore. Best game of the week. And uh, we'll talk about that more in just a second. All right, let's get to our picks, Dad. Uh, last week, both of us hit three of our picks. 
Um, you got uh, the Green Bay game, Cincinnati. Uh, hey, looky there. You went with Cincinnati and you won something. There you go. And then um, you also got the Rams over the Giants uh, in the spread. You missed Tennessee, Buffalo, Minnesota, Carolina. Well, you picked Carolina. And uh, Pittsburgh was minus five, and they won, but not by five points uh, there anyways. And I accidentally deleted my picks. I have it on Twitter somewhere, but I, I deleted it in my notes, so I don't have those in front of me from last week uh, there as well. But both of us, that's not bad. 50% is not bad when you're when you're picking picking games each week. So uh, let's get in now. Again, each week we pick six games. And, Dad, I found two games that I was confident in, and then I had to come up with four more games. I I don't like the spreads this week. They're, they seem very big. Um, and just to me – really hard to pick games this week. Did you have that same problem or were you able to find six that you really liked? No, th- th- this was really a-, a tough one. When I pulled up the games and looked at this, I said, there in any games that you can be absolutely sure about last week, there were more than six. Uh, you know, I had to choose from, I felt like, but uh, this, you know, you're kind of taking a chance. Now I think, well, you know who's going to win some of these games, but boy, the the spread is pretty big. So, are they going to cover? They all have probably the potential to. Um, so we'll see. You know, maybe this will be the week I'll go six and zero, or this will be the week I go zero and six. It's hard to tell. <laughs> all right, who's your first game? Uh, I'm going to take Kansas City to cover over the Titans. Yeah, Kansas City's four and a half point favorites over Tennessee. In my opinion, it's a must win game for Kansas City. Now, that doesn't mean that they lose their out or anything like that, but I think this is a game that is very, very important to Kansas City, and I think they're just a better team. I, as well, am taking Kansas City minus four and a half over Tennessee, at Tennessee, by the way. Uh, who's your second game? I'm going to take Carolina to cover the Giants. Again, this is a game that Carolina needs to win, and uh, so I'm going to go with the, with the Panthers. I didn't pick this game. Uh, I think you're probably right. Um, that's a, they're only three point favorites on the road against New York and the Giants have not been good. The Giants are one of those teams that just kind of scares me. It's like all of a sudden one week and it's not going to be consistently. It's just going to be one game, one week. All of a sudden they're going to go, go off and you're going to go, Oh boy, that's the team we thought they could be. And I'm afraid, uh, it could be this week. So I stayed away from it, but. I think you're probably right with that Carolina pick. Who's uh, number three for you? Um, this is probably the iffiest one for me, but I'm going to go with um, Vegas over the Eagles. All right. I looked hard at this game when I was trying to find some some games to pick. Vegas is a three-point favorite at home over Philadelphia, and I'm not picking – I don't think I'm going to pick any Philadelphia games the rest of the year because, to me, they're so unpredictable. I have no idea what's going to happen from week to week with them. There could be a week where Hertz goes crazy and runs all over somebody or throws the ball all over the place. And then there's going to be another week where they can't put points on the board. And I'm scared to death of picking Philadelphia games. So I'm staying away from it. Uh, Vegas should win, but I wonder if maybe their emotion of last week winning without with the new coach, getting rid of John Gruden, I'm wondering if maybe a lot of energy was expelled over the last two weeks. And uh, and maybe there's a letdown coming this week, so I stayed away from that one. Uh, who's number four for you? I'm gonna, even though it's a big spread, gonna take the Rams to cover over the Lions. Yeah, the Rams are a seventh, no, sixteen, sixteen point favorite uh, there. 
I'll talk about my pick on that one here in just a second. So you're going with the Rams minus 16 over Detroit. All right, that's a lot of points. A lot of points uh, against a, a game where Detroit's out to prove something. So, all right, interesting. Uh, game number five for you. Uh, it's a big spread, too, but I'll take Tampa Bay over Chicago. Chicago scares me. That's a 12-and-a-half-point spread, Tampa Bay, the favorite at home against Chicago. Being that they're at home, should be comfortable, but Tampa's one of those teams that they could slack off one week, and Chicago's defense can be good, and their offense might end up surprising us eventually. If Matt Nagy is any kind of coach that is good, he's going to have a week where everything clicks because they just put it all in there and practiced it. So that's what I expect to see. I stayed away from that game. Who's number six for you? Uh, this one, um, I'll take the, the team that's down, but I'll take Indianapolis and the points over San Francisco. I think Indiana, Indianapolis is getting better and rallying, and I don't think San Francisco is as good as we thought they were going to be early. It is a San Francisco, but um, I, I take an Indy and the points. Indy may not win, but it's four points. I'm 100% with you. This could be a three-point game that San Francisco still wins, but I think Indiana keeps it close. I think the Colts, um, they're just the kind of team. I think they're well-coached. I think so. Jonathan Taylor has really come on strong now, and uh, things are starting to come around, I think, for Indianapolis. San Francisco has really struggled. They have injury issues both at the quarterback position and the running back position. Um, I, yeah, I'm with you on this one. I'm as well going to Indianapolis. So you've got Indianapolis at plus four, Tampa at minus 12 and a half, the Rams at minus 16, Vegas at minus three, Carolina minus three, Kansas City minus four and a half. Only one underdog for you this week. I'm going to go Kansas City as well, minus four and a half. I'm going to go Cincinnati plus six and a half against Baltimore. Again, Baltimore could win, but it could be a Justin Tucker last second field goal. I think Cincinnati is so much better than they have been. They keep this game close and maybe even win. I'm also going to go Miami, two and a half uh, point dogs against Atlanta. Uh, I I think Miami has good coaches, and that has to eventually turn into wins. And uh, so I'm going to go with Miami plus two and a half over Atlanta. Then I'm going to go the opposite way of you and the Rams Detroit game. That's just too many points for me. So I'm going to go plus sixteen. Uh, Detroit, the underdog there against the Rams and feel like they come out, play pretty motivated and can, can at the very least make it respectable is what I'm, was what I'm banking on for Detroit. Houston, I'm also taking them plus 17 and a half against Arizona. That's just too many points, uh, too much going on. And, uh, so I'll take Houston plus 17 and a half. And then I also go Indianapolis plus four against San Francisco. And I already gave my reasonings. Uh, for that as well. So, yeah, I think it's a, um, oh, it's, it's interesting. It's a, it's a week of football that is not easy to pick. And unless you just are a favorite of a team or something like that, then maybe you're, maybe you're more comfortable with one of these, but I'm not comfortable with very many of these games, uh, this year and or this week, excuse me. But we'll get our six picks in and, uh, we'll report on it next week to see, uh, how those turned out there. Uh, the game tonight, uh, if you're listening to us live, you're probably paying attention to it too. Cleveland already jumping on top. Uh, and, uh, and so we'll see how that one goes. Backup quarterback, uh, some injuries there. I thought that game would be really low scoring 
and uh, um, and maybe even I actually just said before we came on the air here, I was on the local radio and said Denver's going to win tonight. So uh, that doesn't look good for me right now. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about college football. We have just a couple minutes left. And, Dad, there's three teams this year that have made some changes to their quarterback position and it appears to be a really good change. The first one is Florida. Florida has Emory Jones. He's the one that started the season for him. He's got over 1,300 yards, uh, 10 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. Coming into this season, I really thought that he was going to be a very, very good quarterback and uh, and and kind of be in that normal third in the SEC position for Florida this year. But it looks like they are making the change, and it looks like they should, too, to Anthony Richardson, the freshman, 6'4", 236. He's from Gainesville. Uh, he wears number 15, which means you have to be a good Florida quarterback uh, if you're going to wear that as well. Uh, when it comes to his stats, he's thrown uh, 37 times for 21 completions. It's not a good completion percentage. 392 yards, five touchdowns, three interceptions. But he's ran the ball for 348 yards, averaging 12.4 uh, yards per carry with three touchdowns. He's a, he's that, you know, legit dual threat kind of quarterback. And it just looks like maybe the uh, change is coming there for Florida with the quarterback. And I think it's going to be a good change. Then you've also got Oklahoma who made the change last week. And of course they're playing Kansas this week. So any quarterback will be just fine. Spencer Rattler came into the season as being the guy. Everybody just assumed. He's going to be the guy that carries the team and might win the Heisman and all these kinds of things. And, uh, well, it just hasn't been going great for him. So they bring in Caleb Williams. He comes back and beats Texas in the Red River uh, shootout or whatever they call it now. And Caleb Williams, Williams comes in, and, and next thing you know, he's leading the team to this huge comeback win. And it looks like Oklahoma is moving on from Spencer Rattler. And then a lesser known, and most people don't care about, uh, is Tennessee. And Tennessee, they came in with Joe Milton. He was the Michigan transfer. He started the season. It did not start off pretty for him. And then Tennessee made the change to Hendon Hooker. Since they made the change to Hendon Hooker, uh, they've looked much better. They still got blown out by Florida. But outside of that, they've looked much better. Uh, they kept it close with Ole Miss. He runs the ball. He throws the ball. And it looks like a, a in-season change at quarterback has been good for these programs. And I look at these programs, Dad. you got Florida, who's supposed to compete in the SEC. You've got Oklahoma, who's competing for a spot in the playoffs. And you've got Tennessee, who is a, a university, a program that is building. All three of them making in-season changes at quarterback. And it seems like it's going to help them progress forward. I Maybe I'm just not remembering well, but I don't remember – good programs, mainly thinking Oklahoma and the situation going on there, that make a change in the middle of the season and still have a chance to compete for the playoffs and national title. Does that ring any bells to you of recent recent moves? No, I, I think you're right about that. Um, as far as teams that are not achieving as well, like uh, Florida, that makes sense, you know, that they would make a change. Um of course, Tennessee is building, and they brought in new quarterbacks, so one didn't work. It makes sense. Uh, Oklahoma is interesting, but again, it looks like they really made uh, the right move with Williams coming in and winning the Red River Showdown. By the way, we don't shoot anymore, <laughs> but um, that's what that was. But he's, and again, you know, he's a freshman, so you you look at that. 
And I think back then when Clemson brought Trevor Lawrence in, um, you know, and they let the other quarterback go and and switch universities, you know. So <coughs> it has happened. Um, but, um, you know, it looks like – and this is probably good for all teams in recruiting because, you know, you get a, a, a kid can actually look at a college and say, hey, there may be somebody else slayed ahead of me, but I, I you know, I, I can make a move here uh, and win this. And, um, of course – you know, um, it, it is interesting. You have three schools. Uh, it's definitely two as high profile. I mean, we love Tennessee, but, um, you know, they needed to hook up with a quarterback that can play for them um, and get them where they need to go. And it looks like Hooker, you know, is the guy there. But uh, Williams is the most intriguing one. And, boy, he really looks good. And um, I think, you know, uh, the other quarterback is going to, you know, they brought him in. Um, what was the for conversion or whatever? Um, now I don't know, you know, uh, how it'll end up all the way along the line. But um, when you're looking at having a chance to win a national championship, then you know everybody can buy into that. Yeah, yeah, and we see it a lot before the season. We've seen Georgia move on from Justin Fields. We saw Ohio State move on from Joe Burrow before seasons. Not in the middle of the season, and uh, was starting a guy and bringing in a guy and Ohio State one year they had three different quarterbacks but it was injuries that caused all that so intriguing things along the way as well we're out of time today thank you so much for tuning in uh make sure you uh follow the or subscribe to the sports stove podcast catch anything that you missed there thank you graham wallace for being on with us tonight and uh, we'll be back live next thursday and of course wednesday we will be dropping the local hour uh podcast as well for all you eku and kentucky fans there as well. Thank you so much for tuning in to tonight's Sports Stove Podcast. Until next time, we'll see you. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.